For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom all paternity in heaven and earth is named. Words, my dear friends in Christ, from the epistle of the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. My dear friends, a couple days ago, as I was driving, I received a phone call from a young Catholic girl who was troubled and wanted my advice. After our conversation, she requested that I make a special sermon on the topic that I will discuss today. But before I go into the topic, I will give you the background and the things that she said. Her complaint was that she felt that too often religion was taught to our children, to the youth, even to the whole parish perhaps, based mostly on fear. She believed many young people see religion as a transaction, where I give God something and God gives me something back. In the words that she gave me, and I believe that these words might reflect the thoughts of many young Catholic people, I could read a false conception of God, a false conception of religion, a conception where our Lord is seen under a very bad light. We see God merely as a judge, nothing else. According to this young woman, many young people don't really have a relationship with God. And I believe that. I experienced that myself, perhaps. Many young people are raised simply to do what they ought to do to serve their souls, without ever finding a special connection with our Lord. And I, I know that sometimes people, in, in especially in traditional circles, when they hear these kind of things, they think that's Novo Sordo, this is modernist, and, and no, no, we, the Catholic faith has always sought to give us a relationship with our Lord. And that's why I'm giving this sermon, and I'm gladly uh, abiding by her, her desires, for two reasons. First, because of this one that I mentioned, that it is a common problem. Even for many of us who are adults, for many of us who have been, who have been persevering in the faith for a while, we can forget how God truly is. We can forget to have a particular relationship with our Lord. And the second reason why I abide by her wishes is because there are there is really no topic that is more important for us but to understand our proper relationship with God. If you want to know how important this is, our Lord made it clear when he came that this, this was one of the reasons for his coming. He says, when he's speaking to his father the last night of his life, he says, I came, I have manifested thy name to the men whom thou hast given me. I came to manifest your name to the men that you gave me. The main purpose of the Bible is to show us our relationship with God. The main purpose of the church is to show us, to begin that relationship, to maintain it, to consummate that relationship, and to keep it going, that relationship with God. And so, my dear friends, if we are mistaken in this notion on how we are to relate with God, there is a great chance, a very great chance, that we will get everything else wrong. And that's why it's so important to speak of it. Now, my dear friends, when it comes to our relationship with our Lord, there are, as, all, as usual, two evil extremes, two errors in which we may fall. We may err on the side of laxity or on the side of rigorism. That is, we may err lacking in the due reverence, in the due respect of God, putting God in a lower place that belongs to him, 
or we might err considering God under a light of servitude, under a light of slavery, under a rigoristic light, forgetting his love, forgetting his mercy. We will never put God into higher place because God is in the highest place. But we may see we might see God in 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 a deformed manner. Allow me to speak of these two extremes then, and first of all, of that last one, the rigoristic view of God. <clears throat> My dear friends, in the mind of many teenagers, God, religion in general, seems to be nothing but oppression, rules, don'ts. Many children who have been raised traditional Catholic keep in their minds only these words, Thou shalt not. And for them religion is that. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. And these young people forget that the thou shalt nots are less than 1% perhaps of the teachings of the church, of the teachings of God, of the words of our Lord in the gospel. They forget all the other promises, all the affectionate words that our Lord gave us, all the good teachings that are positive. But when a person is in this state, when they see religion under that bad light, for that person the Mass becomes a tax, a burden, something that you're forced to do, a forced assistance to something that they say, I don't understand. For a person that sees religion in this bad light, rosary is but a repetition of words, and I don't get nothing out of it, they say. For them every sermon, every correction of the parents, Every correction or advice from the priest, from sisters, from parents, from even good friends sounds like hammering, blowing in their ears, something that really itches and they don't like to hear. Because for them, they see God basically as a judge. They see God as a cop, as a ruler, someone that is demanding actions and words, threatening us otherwise, with sending us all to hell. For these poor young people, and sometimes adults as well, God appears like a cold entity, something that we serve, just because we have to, because otherwise he is powerful enough to condemn us. My dear friends, I don't need to go much more into detail, but you get my point of what this view of God is. Now, when a person is in this bitterness, when a person is seeing religion under this bad light, we have to ask ourselves, Where did these ideas come from? And I will tell you that it comes from two sources. Now, if you ask this person, they will most probably say, well, that comes to me from my parents, because my parents taught to me religion in that way. It comes from the priest, because he never understood me. You know, he always spoke, spoke uh, you know, in a very blunt manner to me. It comes from the sisters, because they had a bad character, or they were like this, or they were like that. And I will say, I will grant them, It is possible that the priests or the sisters or the parents sometimes miss to preach on the more beautiful aspects of our faith, perhaps sometimes miss to give the right view, to convey the right idea to children. It can be, it is possible that that happens. But I think most of these young people, and most of the adults as well, don't see the other source. The other source from where we get this wrong idea of God is the young person's group of friends and also the temptations from the devil. Because what happens often is that your friend 
your bad friends, particularly if they're not devout, they will come and they start telling you, oh, father is so-and-so, sister is so-and-so, sister is this and that. Oh, I can believe your parents said this to you. I can believe your parents for forbade this to you. I can believe your parents don't let you go here or there. And soon enough, this young person finds himself or herself uh, now believing that their eyes have been opened. Now believing, now I see the evil in all these things. And they end up deceived and end up losing all their morals and all their faith. Now, my friend, was that because the priest or the sister or the parent was bad for you? Or was that rather the bad influence of your friend? I believe that if you think with a cool mind, you will see that it was rather the latter. The latter. You will see that if you had been in the company of good friends, devout friends that didn't speak bad of all these things, you would not have these things. You would not have these wrong ideas. But you have them, yes, perhaps for a failure, a defect here and there on, on the authorities. But most of all, you have it perhaps from your bad friends. And I know what the devil will suggest sometimes. You might be thinking, I'm pulling this out of my sleeve. You know, father's saying this because it suits his argument. He's just saying this because that makes him be right. Well, allow me to ask you a question. If you were up in a place where everything was perfect, you wouldn't have any complaints? If you were in a place where the, where the authority was perfect, where everything else was okay, where there was no problems, they didn't make you work, they didn't forbade anything to you, but perhaps just one or two things, then you wouldn't have complaints, right? then your idea of God wouldn't be thwarted. Well, my dear friend, let me remind you of what happened in paradise. Adam and Eve were in that perfect place. Nothing was wrong. Everything was perfect. They only had one commandment, only one. And they were in paradise. Everything was perfect. No problems whatsoever. What happens? The serpent comes and says, how come God did this and that? How come God gave you this commandment? How come God is forbade you this and that? Just one commandment. And the serpent complained. Well, he doesn't want you to have this. He doesn't want you to have that. He knows that if you do this and this, you will have that. And that's why he forbade it, because he's bad. he has bad intentions. My friend, it happened in paradise. Of course that the devil is going to try this technique over and over again in the rest of the world. Of course he will try to thwart your idea of God, to make God seem like a tyrant, like an evil person, like someone that doesn't want your good. It's worked before. It worked in paradise. He expects that it will work here, where we are not in paradise. Well, you see this first error. Let me speak now of the second one. From this rigoristic point of view, false point of view, Many young people turn to the other extreme. The idea of religion was made heavy by these lies from the devil, by these mistakes from people, perhaps, and so they turn to the other side, to the other extreme, to the idea of God, as if basically God was nothing but a meaningless friend, as if God was but an acquaintance of little value. They had seen God as a slave master, as a tyrant, and from there, they fall to the other extreme to make God now a servant, my own servant. And my dear friends, if you see a young person or a 
fallen away Catholic that fast falling into this, you will see three signs in them. The first sign that you see is this. It's all about me. Religion and everything in my life, really. It's all about me. Someone was telling me, well, you know, Father, I think I can relate to God better, better if I don't go to Mass, if I don't pray the Rosary, if I just do my own thing. I can connect to God in better ways. You know, if I go and read the Bible or if I go sit down and watch the sunset or whatever. And among you, my dear friends, you who are listening, how many of you have you, he have you heard a friend telling you, oh, I have my own religion. Oh, I don't need a church. I can speak to God in my own terms. My friends, people with this erroneous mindset, they always think in this way, what can I get from God? What can I get from Sunday? What can I get from the church? And this obviously is a false conception, it's a selfish conception. It's much what you see in the Novus Ordo, in Protestantism, where religion is made not of how I serve God, and not of how I worship God, not of how I come to learn from God and to follow his commandments, but it's made rather, how can God serve me? How can God entertain me? How can God make things for me as I want them? How can God serve me? And you see this in when you go to the Novus Ordo Church and they don't pray anymore. And what they have in there is music and songs and videos and a priest that is a showman coming up to the front lines and telling people, oh, here, there, you tell me this, you tell me that with the microphone. A showman, an entertainer, because it's about what you can get. It's what you see in the Protestant sects, where you have these churches, quote-unquote, where you have drum kits and electric guitars and lights and loud-sounding bands, and it's all to entertain you, because it's about you. It's about what you get from church. While you see on the opposite, in the true faith, you have silence, you have worship. The second sign that you will see in those who have this mindset is that they end up having the idea that keeping the commandments is not necessary. And again, you see here the alignment between Protestantism and the Vatican II Church, because for them and for all the people that have fallen of the faith in this way, the commandments are not commandments. They are guidelines, simply suggestions, almost a plea from God. And if in the Protestant Church, in the Novus Ordo Church, when you go there and see how they teach, you can almost imagine our Lord Jesus Christ standing on the corner of the church, almost begging, timidly suggesting, maybe you shouldn't commit fornication. Well, maybe it would be better if you don't steal. Uh, perhaps you shouldn't commit adultery. You know, it would be better if you go to confession, if you go to Mass on Sundays, but it's not necessary. This is how they see the commandments. And it all goes back to the same thing. If God is not my creator, if God is not my redeemer, if he's not my master, my owner, my father, then he has no right to give me commandments and he can only give me suggestions. This is the idea that they have. And this brings us to the last sign that you will see in people that fall from the faith in this way, that for them, everything is relative. It's what I call Spiritual relativism. The idea that nothing is subjective. Nothing is clear. Everything is as everyone wants it to be. Faith doesn't matter. Dogma doesn't matter. The commandments do not matter. Nothing is relevant. 
There are no objective guidelines, truth, faith to abide by. And this, my dear friends, is the most pernicious consequence of all, because it leads the soul to a total abandonment of God. This, this moment of spiritual relativism is when the person says, I have my own relationship with God. But then they are deceiving themselves. They don't have a relationship with God. They have made their own idols. They have made their own gods. Instead of making themselves in the image of God, they have made themselves a God, lowercase g, at their image. And allow me to summarize all this, this second error. If in, the sec in the first error, we saw God as a judge and as a slave master. In the second error, the way that you see God is like a lowly friend, like a person that you don't like. Because who else do you treat like that? To whom would you say, I am not going to meet you where you want me. I'm going to meet you here where I want to meet you. And I'm not going to be there for as long as you want me to be. I'm going to be there only for this long. Oh, and also, I don't want to hear you when you tell me this and this and that. I'm going to listen to these things, but not to those. And if you want to meet me, I'll be here and there. Otherwise, I'm not going to go. Who do you treat like that? Not even the lowest, the lowliest of your friends. The person that you treat like that is someone that you don't like. Someone that is an annoyance to you. Not even an acquaintance. This is how they see God. Those who fall in that other error. So you see the two extremes. And you see how people fall from one to the other. Now my dear friends. Having seen these two. What is our true, the true nature of our relationship with God? Our Lord made it clear, and you read it in the Gospel today. God came and revealed to us how we're supposed to relate with Him. And it's all summarized in one word, just one simple word, the one that our Lord came to reveal to us. And it is this, the name of God, the, the nature of our relationship from us to Him, the name that he wants us to give him is Father. This is the proper balance of our relationship with God. This is how you see God in a proper light as you're supposed to. He's a Father and you see that to the, in today's epistle and in today's gospel as well. In Like a Father, God abides in truth and God wants you to know the truth and is not going to be a relative truth but an objective truth. That's the way we can relate to him. Because like a good father, God is going to tell you this is the truth and none other. Imagine a father, if you're a good father, imagine that you go out with your son and you go out into the street and you see the lights and the, the boy asks you, Father, what is that red light or that walking light? You know, and you say to your son, son, that is the red light means that you're supposed to stop. You're not supposed to go. And then someone comes and says, no, no, that means that you're supposed to go. Would you turn to your son and say, well, son, truth is relative. Anybody can do whatever they think. You know, people have their opinions. Yeah, he has an opinion. You have, might have an opinion. You're free to, feel, to follow whatever you want, my son. Of course not. You would say to your son, this person is absolutely wrong. This is the truth, what I'm giving you, and this is what you have to follow. For your own sake. Because this is how you deal with reality. God, like a father, like a good father, seeks our good and commands us to follow certain rules for our own sake. No good father tells his children, you can do whatever you want. 
Imagine if you're a father that you come to your house and you tell your children, my children, you can do whatever you want. You know, you'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. You'll make mistakes. It's okay if you burn the kitchen. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, bring your boyfriend, your girlfriend into the room, do drugs, whatever you need. Everyone, everyone has to experience, you know, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge you? Of course, you would not say not that. You say to your children, don't touch this because it burns you. Don't touch that because it's bad for you. No, you cannot date this or this person because it's not going to be good for your life. No, you cannot take this or that substance because it's going to harm you in the long run. And yes, you're going to abide by my rules while you're in this house. Because otherwise you will lose yourself and you will perish and you will die. Not only temporarily, but also eternally. And so you give rules and you command that they are followed. It's not an option. And like a, like a father, God also demands a particular relationship from us to him. What kind of son tells his father, I'm not going to meet you there. I'm not going to go to your house. I will not go at this time that you want me to go. No good son says that to his father. What do you say, dad, where can I meet you? Over here, great, we'll meet you there. At what time is good for you, dad? This time, I'll meet you there at that time, but dad. And you don't say to your dad, I've, met, I've seen you too many times this month, this week. I don't think I can connect with you like that, dad. I think I'm going to connect to you in my own way. By going looking at the sunset. Or by opening this book where you speak about things. It's, no. You go and talk to him. You visit him. Because that's the way he wants you to do it. That's how you handle. That's how you relate with your, with your dad. And that's how, my dear friends, we should relate with God. He has the truth and he wants us to know it. He has commandments as he wants us to follow it. Does God have justice as a father? Yes, of course. But that justice derives from love. Does God have commandments as a father? Yes, of course. But those commandments are made for our own sake. Is there punishment from God to us as a father? Yes. And that punishment itself, even the ultimate punishment, is a necessary consequence of his love and even, I would say, of his mercy. And so, my dear friends, as we live today, I encourage all young people, and we encourage all young and old people, really, to have the appropriate relationship with God. On the one hand, don't see religion as a burden, a difficulty, something that makes your life miserable. It is not. Religion is the relationship that you have with your loving Father who is in heaven, and with your loving Mother, the Church, and your loving Mother, the Virgin Mary. And all of them are bent on procuring your good. And on the other hand, also, don't pretend to form, your, to form your own religion. Don't make up your own God, your own commandments, because he would be a force, a farce. God is not your slave. And he's not supposed to humor your whims. And he's not also a cruel judge. Who is God? God is your father. And in treating God in this way, you will encounter happiness in this life, an eternal life and joy in the next. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.